Welcome to the All In Remote Podcast, where we believe that companies can unlock their potential, build healthy resilience, and succeed in an increasingly volatile world. We'll explore the new challenges of leadership, best practices for developing culture and trust, and the innovative tools that help make it possible. Here's your host, Kendra Kinnison. In the last episode, we explored how remote work can help make room for other projects and activities that we're excited about. On today's panel, we'll hear about how remote work impacts the most important activity of all, parenting, the wins, the challenges, and perhaps some of their most memorable stories. Olia, James, and Emily, thanks so much for sharing with us today. James, you were, I think, the first to officially embrace bringing your kids to Zoom. So we're going to start the conversation with you. Do you feel that working remotely has changed your approach to parenting? Yes, it has. To provide a little bit of background as to how my response will be laid out, I have a wife who stays at home with our now six kids. And that's something that we both chose and that she really wanted to do, recognizing that once our kids are in school, she'd be able to go pursue her career as well as her additional education. But how it's changed my parenting style is I'm able to help Courtney more with our kids. So she was ill with COVID a number of months back. And I actually moved my entire workstation upstairs, which I don't recommend moving an ergonomic desk by yourself. That was not a safe experience. And so I was able to just be up there and watch the kids, get them food and whatnot while still engaging in my work assignments. And then the other thing too, is I've also been able to help out with homeschooling of which we currently do that with our kids. And so I'll give myself a fake mustache with a marker and put on some funky jacket and I'm Professor Wetzel, where I have German heritage and try and speak with a German accent. And my kids just think that's very funny. And so it's just allowed me to be a lot more flexible and in my kids' lives a lot more than I was when I was going into a brick and mortar eight to five job. That's awesome. It really sounds like you've been able to just use all that, not extra time, but perhaps swap the commuting time and lunch time for family time. Yeah, it's been a very beautiful experience. And I've also found myself having to be more intentional to have that. And so recently, I've been making sure I have that 30-minute lunch break to go up with the family. They've really enjoyed that as well. In fact, as soon as my door shuts, daddy, 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 and all of a sudden, just seven people are trying to get my attention all at one time. It's a lot of fun. So, Olia, you were sort of passionate about remote work even before you came to Allocations. If I remember right, it was at this point kind of a requirement for you. Yeah. I actually, so during my law firm time, working for a large law firm and doing a lot of trials, being away from home for six weeks at a time, every time I would return from a trial, I'd be required to go back to the office to work. And I refused. They said, you know, I've been at trial for six weeks. I have not seen at that time, my only child. And she probably will forget what mother is if I go back to the office. So I kind of was curious of how much I can stay home and what the productivity looks like being in the law office and being in traditional law office, it just was not heard of. And I was one to always like email HR working from home today. And I finally, I was in the office one day and they're like, called me in. I said, no, we've been getting a lot of working from home. I said, look, this is my requirement. If you want me to be here, I need to be able to work from home at least once a week. Or when I return from trial, then I had a little Max who came a little bit early. And six months into him being in our family, my husband was like, you know what? This is not working. You need to be home. You need to be home for him. 
And I was like, you know what? I'm quitting. I'm leaving. Granted, it was like two months before COVID hit and then everybody went remote anyways. So I was like, oh, well, I missed that opportunity. But I joined a startup, worked as a contract employee. And that's when I got introduced to allocations. And that was something that was like, I'm not going into the office. I'm here at home being present for my children. And that is number one priority for me. Actually, one of my recruiters, when I was at the law firm, would call me and she'd be like, well, I have this great job for you. I was like, where is it? Can I work remote? Nope. She's like, but it's great. It's such a great firm. It's like coolie. Nope. I'm not working remote. I'm not going. I don't care how much they pay. So that was definitely a choice of mine. Interesting. I want to get back to that as it relates to leadership, but I want to hear Emily's story. Emily, had you worked remote before or what were your thoughts on how it might impact being a parent? I hadn't. I was working mainly contract work and part-time work. And the part-time work, I was going in away from home, but it was interesting because it was during the pandemic. So my kids were actually home with a sitter and I was going in and working and then I'd come home, but it was just like during the school hours, basically. But we had been considering moving closer to family. In order to do that, my husband is also a teacher. He, just to be able to move, it sort of became imperative that I get a full-time job and allocations worked out. But I, at the time, I hadn't even considered working remotely. And then once I started working with allocations, just like, how did I not ever even consider this leading up to this point? So it's been a huge game changer for our family. Okay. So it was a positive surprise yes. for you. Okay, cool. Neat story. So Oli, I want to dive in on yours. You're our director of operations, very senior leadership role. How do you find yourself balancing the demands of that and the demands of, as you mentioned, a young kiddo? I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's definitely not an easy job to do it because I think if I said it was easy, nobody would believe me if there's any parents listening to this. I think coming into allegations, I knew that this was a startup and it was going to require some of my time to be away from my children. But what I found comfort in is that I am here at home and my child is here. And if something was happening or if he even needs me for a second, I can't pause a meeting. Or I could say, you know what, I need to reschedule this meeting or reach out to the team and say, look, this is a time where I can't be available. So for example, the way I manage my calendar is that I put blocks on my calendar where those are not movable meetings, like dropping off kids at school, picking kids up at school. I have started implementing some time with my teenage daughter on Thursdays. We haven't been really good about this, but we're getting back into it. But I have from three to five, a block on my calendar where this is time with Nika. It actually says that time with Nika, because I found that I was so involved, getting kind of sucked back into the work that I was losing the focus of why I was really choosing to be at home to be present for the children. But I also think it creates an opportunity, even as a leader, being open with your team. I remember our first meetings with our clients when it was just few of us. Max, I think, was a year, not even. And he would like cry in the middle of a client call. And I would just say, I'm so sorry. And you know, we were all working from home right now, especially because it was happening during COVID. So it's challenging, but it's doable. I think if you accept it yourself, and accept the challenges, I think you can succeed. So it sounds like one of the things that's really worked is schedule the parenting time, just like we schedule the work time and to be flexible. I remember Stephanie mentioned that on an earlier episode that I want to say she works like a 12 to eight shift so that she gets different time 
So you can really, you know, particularly with us where we can be somewhat flexible, really East Coast hours or West Coast hours, regardless of where you live, could work. So you're able to plan that in, still get enough work done, but have that strategic time with each kid. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing is that being flexible in a time, I know, you know, some people want to do nine to five. So for example, I know that my little one is in daycare from nine until one thirty. This is where my back to back, I don't take any breaks if I don't need to. And then I know I can take a break. And then I schedule the, I know that in certain time in the evening time, this is my family time. Dinners are very important at our house. We do family dinner every night. So this is where six o'clock, unless it's an absolute emergency, I will not take any calls or 6.30 until eight when little one goes to sleep. And then I'll jump back on and actually catch up on some of the things that I felt that I did not get to. So I, I think like that. intentional scheduling. Thanks for sharing the recipe, James. I noticed you nodding. Have you figured out a rhythm that seems to work well for your family? Yeah, previous to joining Allocations, I actually worked two jobs. One was a remote accounting and bookkeeping job. And then I also worked at a brick and mortar company doing a 410 audit schedule. And I don't work as many hours as I did when I was doing two different jobs. But I have found that being able to schedule around my family has been a lot easier working in a remote environment. So for me, I try and do an eight to five, make sure I get a 30 minute lunch. There are occasions where I work earlier. I'm a early person. So, you know, wake up with the cows and grab some milk and then, you know, hit the computer kind of a thing. I don't have any cows, but I would if I had cows, I guess. (laughs) And then five o'clock, I'm done with work. So that way I can go play with the kids and have dinner time. Like Olia mentioned, dinner time is really important at our house. Our motto is really what my kids want to eat. In addition to ice cream is me and my wife. They want to have us and be able to spend time with us. And then just making sure that I can be there for those intentional events. So there were certain things in my kids' schooling where, hey, dad, I want to bike to school. And so, you know, might work a little bit later on in the morning because we're biking to school. And so just really trying to prioritize getting them in and then building around that. So Emily, have you made any adjustments or shifted the schedule a bit? You've got a really customer and client engaged role as well, where timing can matter more than some other positions. Right. And I will say that has been one of the challenges as I began personally working full-time remote. I did go from working part-time, but mainly being the full-time caregiver in my house I was the one that did most of the cooking and I love that providing all those fun little parent things, those moments with your kids. I have noticed that I've had to really cut back on those. And, you know, there is always like that guilt that you experience as a parent anytime you have those moments with your kids where they get feel disappointed. And because we have these sort of societal gender roles that we kind of fall into, I'm actually really fortunate that my partner is cool with basically stepping in wherever he needs to. So he's basically the one now that takes care of dinner prep. And we started doing meal plans or we'll go and get frozen meals at Trader Joe's. We are like, what can we do so that we can make things more convenient? And I don't have to feel, oh, like I'm not cooking every night, but we still have those moments together. But I will say that with the nature of my job responsibilities, I do work longer hours into like dinner time. And so like listening to Oli and James, I'm like, oh, I need to get better at that. Just sort of creating maybe a stop time, which I try and do, but I usually sometimes will hop on later on. I try and be available on my phone if I need to, but really sort of having those moments where I block out that dinner hour. Although I do have that 
hour sort of blocked out for going and picking my kids up from school. And that is one of the lovely things about this job is that I can rely on my team, let them know, hey, I'm going to be spending this time after school with my children, even if it's for like half an hour, 45 minutes, just really being able to go and get them, touch base with them and then being like, okay, start your homework. I'll be working. But just they know that I'm there. And I think that's been a learning process for all of us. And I know there are times when I know my middle child, she'll be like, I wish you weren't working anymore. And I'm like, no, you don't. (laughs) Like, this is good for all of us. We're all learning and growing, but it has been a process in finding the right balance. I love a few things you said there. I love that we're learning from each other. And hopefully we can have more of these conversations because we share, but we don't necessarily share intentionally the different adjustments that we're making. I'll share just of moms of daughters. Mine is 24 now. And I couldn't tell you the number of times that she was frustrated with me working when she was growing up. I think she's okay with it now. So I will tell you, I think we do come full circle eventually where they understand that life intervenes sometimes in their grand plans. I appreciate that. And I just hope that the examples that are being provided to them that they need to pursue with their dreams and what they want to do and just that they have to find that balance. And we're all learning and working on it together as a family. But ultimately, I want that for them. I want them to be able to set those goals and do what they want with their lives. It sounds like your husband has really, like you said, filled that space as well and perhaps opened up an opportunity for him to connect more with the kiddos and take that time back. So it sounds like you guys really have solved it as a family, which is pretty beautiful. He's just been excited as I have been about working for allocations. He's like, I'm so happy you're working for this company. He's like, whatever we have to do. He's been very supportive and really willing to like, don't worry about the vacuuming. I'm going to do it. You know, just all those things that sort of get pushed to the wayside have been sort of more of a team effort. That's awesome. James, I saw you raise your hand for a bit. Yeah. When Emily talked about meal plans, it got me to thinking about something else that my wife, Courtney, and I have started to do a lot more diligently and intentionally. Sunday evening, we'll sit down and we'll pull up our calendar. And I've been able to help Courtney have access to just view my calendar only so she knows when I am available in case there's emergencies or something that come up. And we'll go through each day and make sure, okay, you're coming up for lunch on this day. I'll make sure kids are ready or we were planning on doing this. So we'll have this ready for you and whatnot. But also, hey, can you come help out with this meeting? or help out with that. So for example, on Thursday, my wife and the kids who are staying home get to go participate in a CERT training where they get to have fake blood put on them and yell and scream and act like they just got destroyed in an earthquake. And so my wife said, hey, you'll have to watch over Caleb or listen for him because that's during his nap time. So when Caleb's ready, give me a call. I'll come home, pick him up and people will be like, oh, your baby made it through the earthquake without any issue." Love it. The teamwork and coordination sounds like that's super important. Okay, I want to dive into another area. I'm curious, have you ever tried an adjustment or a shift and it didn't work? Is there anything that you've tried in this arrangement that you're like, nope, didn't work for us? For me, one of the challenges has always been is that it's always an adjustment. So my husband is a pilot, so he's gone four days at a time. So those days, I'm a single mom with two kids, with different schedules, trying to juggle, right? When do you pick up a kid? How do you drop off a kid? Dropping off in the morning is really hard. I don't know if it really falls into the category, but every time Michael leaves, it's like an earthquake that happens in the house. Everything goes wrong. And I find myself every time, no matter how much I plan, I put it on my calendar, MG out, 
a lot of people know that when MG is out, then my schedule is a little bit more strict on picking up the kids. But that's one of the challenges I still find after all the years of being remote is that I think it's easy when there's a partner available to help. But when you become kind of a single parent, really, that's when it becomes difficult and the planning actually kind of goes out of the window. And I think what works during those is being at a company or having your people at work, understanding really that it has to be people first. Families have to come first. Children have to come first. And I find myself a lot of times, you know, kind of to what Emily is saying, the adjustment for me has been reminding myself that at the end of the day, my children, my family is the most important priority and just communicating that to your company and set that as a value that is not negotiable. That's where things don't work for me is when Michael goes out of town and he's been home for two months on reserve. So he's been home every day. So it's been having at this house. Dinners are ready. Children are picked up. It's beautiful. That's such a great point. Those of us that don't have young kids, we're forgetting the challenge when life intervenes, particularly with the young ones. Thanks for sharing that. Piggybacking off what Olia said, again, expressing gratitude for the mindfulness aspect of it is just realizing that we can't do it all. I think when I first started this job, I thought, okay, I'm going to be working at home. I'll be able to do everything I've always done. And realizing very quickly that is not going to happen and being okay with it. Like Olia said, when she's in single mom mode, knowing that like some things are going to give. And I think just overall, as a parent, being able to sacrifice certain things here and there for the sake of your mental health and just cutting your losses and moving forward and just trying to revamp how you move through life the best that we can. Such a great point. I have learned just having my door open is not enough when Courtney has to step out. Because generally that means there is water on every single step in my carpeted stairs and there's water on the love seat cushions and there's water on the couch cushion. So I have found that when I need to watch over the kids, when Courtney has to step out, that generally means I'm moving away from my workstation, bringing the laptop upstairs, or just letting folks know that I won't be available. Otherwise, our house turns into a water park when it really shouldn't be a water park. (laughs) I can picture that. That sounds amazing. All right. So we've got a great group of folks in the live audience. Are there any questions coming to mind that you'd like to ask our panelists here while we have these parents willing to go on the record with all their tips and tricks and challenges? Rachel, come on up. Hi, guys. This is so fun. Hi, Rachel. I'm learning so much from you guys and so impressed by you every day, how you manage to juggle being a full-time parent and working at allocations. So I've always wondered, I am not a parent yet, only to a dog, but I've always wondered, how do you really set boundaries with your kids when you're working during the day to not interrupt you? I mean, I know it happens because that would kind of drive me crazy. Like, how do you really tell them like, okay, I'm working right now, go do something else. In our family, it worked out that we had an extra bedroom in our house. And so my kids know that when I come into this room, that I'm at work. When I come out of the room, they know I'm not at work. So for example, I went up for lunch today and they're like, oh, are you done with work? Well, I'm on my lunch break. I have to go back and I'll be done in a few hours. The other thing too is we've clearly communicated to our kids that when my door is shut, and especially when you hear me talking, that means I'm on a Zoom call. But I can tell you with my number two child, Bryson, he does not care. He will always knock on the door. 
And he really does not care who I'm talking to. I need to talk to him. And so really just trying to be very open with your communication with them. But then to what Kendra had said, where I guess I brought my kids to Zoom the first few times, I've also found that I've had to remove that expectation of a certain level of professionalism and a certain image in that I will have kids. I've held Caleb on a call and he's screaming and crying and Binky's flying everywhere. I've had Adley on my lap. She is just not happy, but when she's on daddy's lap, she's okay. And so just realizing that it's a part of life and I can be a parent while also being a professional at the same time. And thankfully, the expectation and the culture and our values at Allocations helps with that. I want to actually say exactly what James said. I think setting expectation, there's the 15-year-old right in the house that does the same thing. She'll just walk in, even though I'll tell her I can't talk. You know, she'll just has to say something. She'll write me sticky notes because it's really important that she came home when she really needs something ordered. And then the three-year-old will actually, every time I will come out, unless he's having a meltdown, he will actually ask me, mommy, are you done with work? And so that he actually knows the door is closed. He can't come in. So I think he's dealing with boundaries better. But I think just having a conversation and really just setting the expectations like, okay, look, if I can talk, if it's an informal meeting, sometimes I'll even come out out of the office and take the calls in the kitchen so that they see me because it's okay if there is a background noise or if a child is sick, which happens a lot, and you have to take a call next to your child, you basically explain that to the individuals. You basically take the, this is not okay out of the conversation, right? This is the reality. This is my life. I have to be on this call. I have a child next to me. I apologize if there's any distractions. I'm going to keep myself on mute. So I think if you're open and set your expectations right away, then people will just go with it. So I think just having that conversation, setting boundaries, but when they do break, being okay with it. I think for the longest time, a picture of Max on my lap was on our company about us. It was a Zoom screenshot and my mom actually loved it. She would show all of her friends. So I think that's where you take that stigma, right? Like that, oh, you can't have children at work. It's that you brought your children to work was a thing at work that you did. So we bring children to work because we are at home. I've always really admired that about Olia. I feel like I am very much a rule follower. So for me, starting working, I was like, no children. Really tried to like keep them out. But I have three very stubborn children. They work their way into the meetings. And, you know, usually I will try and give, especially when they're all home on days, like during holidays, like when they have the school day off, but I'm still working or for whatever reason, like if we're on a vacation or something, I do try and give them a heads up. Just let them know like what my schedule is going to be. Just let them know like when the Zoom is on, that is when I'm focusing. And then trying to be like, if you give me this much time, then I'll come out and we'll discuss this or I'll get you something to eat. I'm going to get you a snack. But I just try and keep that communication open. That's awesome. I love it. And you all have different age groups. I think between the three of you, you might actually have almost every age covered there of kiddos. So you guys have quite the diversity. And it sounds like communication is as critical for the teenagers as it is for the tots. That's awesome. Let's bring Stephanie up. Hi, guys. I just have to say, I love this series. Obviously, you guys all see Jack. He's four in all of my videos. Sometimes there are days where I really have to unfortunately step away. There may be something going on in banking that's super, super busy, but there have been several times where I noticed that Jack's cup just needs to be filled. And so I'll just stop whatever I'm doing, put my notifications off and go maybe take a walk with him or play a puzzle or watch a show. What do you guys do when your kids are just, you know, I really need my parent. I don't care what you're doing. I need my attention cup filled. 
And how do you think that that's impacted your ability to refocus? I think this was the hardest thing for me to accept and remind myself again, right? This is why I'm home. Kids are first. I need to be present for my children, especially now I'm realizing my teenager who is 15. She really needs me where I thought it was a three-year-old that needed me more is the 15-year-old that needs me more. And really just understanding for myself and having that self-talk where you're like, okay, listen, I understand your work is important. I understand you have a department and big, bold goals for your career, but you had children. That was your first career in a way. To me, that's the most important career, being a parent. So just really sharing that. And I think not to promote allocations, but really being at allocations just naturally comes that we are all okay with that. So if one of our team members is having a hard day and the child needs them, you just basically Slack message and you say, listen, guys, I just need to step away. I need to go and deal with this situation, child crying on the floor, and I need to deal with it. I mean, I turn off my video and put myself on mute and go take care of business. Today, I took a really important call in Walgreens because I had to pick up Max's medicine for the third time around for his ear infection. And it took like 25 minutes just to get me the medication. And I just said, look, I'm here. This is what I need to do. You just have to accept it. I think just having that comfort level of accepting for yourself that this is your priority, because that's where it comes from. If you're like, oh, I'm not sure if I could do this. Then you set the hesitation for yourself. Don't be hesitant. This is who we are. And this is important to you. And don't question it. Don't doubt it. Turn off your slack and go do your thing for your family. I have two thoughts. The first one is I try not to use the word no, meaning that if one of my kids needs me, rather than saying, no, you can't have me right now, it's yes, I would love to give you attention. I have this important meeting I'm on, or I'm doing this important thing. But then when I'm done, I can come and find you and look at your Pokemon castle or whatever it might be. And then the second thing too, is that I've had to reset my expectations, kind of going back to the previous topic of just realizing that there will be times where I just need to be okay with stepping away because we've been able to build up a really good team in each area to where we should be able to step away. And so I don't always have to be at my computer. And so I found that was the biggest thing for me, Steph, is really just reprogramming my brain and what is and isn't acceptable. Because I did always operate that, no, I've got to be on my meetings. I've got to be doing my task. I got to be putting in my hours or my boss is going to be like, you only worked 8.43 hours and not 8.5. Where were you that other 0.07? When in reality, like that's not what happens. And that's not how it is. And I'm very grateful to that. And like Olia said, a big part of that is allocations and the drive of our culture and our values of striving to be people first and always improving in these different areas to help us be better parents. I feel lucky in so many ways. First of all, my kids are just at these ages where it's either they all want my attention at the same time or they don't. And I just feel really lucky because my team has always been so supportive. I really have to give credit to Rachel and my other team members who are always so generous and understanding in those moments where I'm like, I just need three minutes just to go and resolve this and I'll be right back. Or if there's those moments where I do have to take the break, give some attention that that's always been a possibility. So again, just having that team and being able to rely on them has been key. I have another thought on this, actually. So the flip side of it is that being remote. So if you actually picked yourself in a standard nine to five job, 
if your child is sick or something is happening, you actually leave the office and you go and you be at home and you're not working, you're not connected. Being home actually puts this additional pressure on us, right? That always present for your work, but then also being present for your children. So I think Steph, really that's where it also comes in is that you have to give yourself that pat on your shoulder that you actually are more present at work if you were in a nine to five physically in the office, because if something was happening, instead of stepping away for two hours, you actually stepping away for the full day. And here you stepped away for an hour and you got ice cream with your child and then you're back potentially at work, unless you of course take in time off or you need a full day. That's additional thought that I just had. Great point. I love all the insights here. JT's got a good question too. JT, come on up. Thank you all for sharing your perspectives on this. I am still single, but hope to one day have a family. And it's interesting to see how to make it work to your benefit to have a remote job. And it seems like remote jobs are going to be kind of more of a thing moving forward into the future. So on that kind of more positive aspect of it, are there certain fun activities that you'd like to do with your families kind of in the time that you save from not commuting? A ton. For one, for me, dinner. Dinner with family was not existent. By the time I would commute back, my daughter actually would not eat dinner until I would get home. And sometimes it would be eight o'clock at night when I'm driving back and I'm like, you just need to eat. You can't wait for me. So now, JT, you've heard me make dinner on some of our calls where I could actually prepare dinner and then have dinner at six. At 6.30, we sit down and we have a full meal. The four of us, if Michael is around, because it's really important. Also taking children to school, like dropping off and not relying on friends to pick them up, right? So being there with teenager, I have to tell you, most of the things you'll learn is during the pickup from school, because once they get home, you'll never hear from them. The 15 minute drive is where I get the lowdown or all the highlights of the day or things I need to be alerted on. So I definitely appreciate having that opportunity to be there. Great. Thank you. I think for me, it just this is like a little different vein, but because my partner is a teacher, he has a teacher schedule. He gets long Christmas breaks and long holiday breaks and summer breaks. And to be able to spend that time with them, you know, when we talked about me finding a job, it was like, oh, like, where am I going to work? Unless I work for a school district, how am I going to be able to do this? Or like, you're going to be going on these vacations without me. Because during the summer, we always do this tour where we go and see all the family. That's when we do all of our traveling. And just to think like, oh, well, they might have to go without me. And now knowing like we can keep that family time, we can do it together. I can work. And yeah, we've had to like juggle a little bit. They might go out and do some sightseeing without me. But for the most part, we are able to stay together and have that time and have that flexibility is been one of the most amazing parts about it. Yeah, that teacher days off in summers, it's got to be nice to get advantage of that. It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so fun to have the kids home and being able to have that time with them too. I have four things. One, dinner, which has already been mentioned. The second one is actually the early one, breakfast. We use that time to do our family scripture study and connect and really set intentions for our day, as well as have a hearty breakfast. The third thing, chores. Sometimes our dishes would get backed up. And so I've been able to really insert myself to different chores and kind of just take those over. Then the fourth thing is visiting extended family. And I think the next level up. My wife is from Ketchikan, Alaska, and both of her parents are retired. And Courtney is only one of their three children who have grandchildren for them. And so when we go up to Alaska, we're able to stay up there a lot longer because I don't have to be concerned about using up all of my accrued PTO 
or staying away for a time that would cripple the company, I can go up, stay there for a little bit, and be flexible with time for various activities because they do have a solid internet connection and then I can work from there. The only thing, and this is just a PSA for everybody, is that you just have to be wary that if you stay there for that first day after the initial 30, then technically allocations payroll has to register in that state and do payroll tax withholding. So just make sure stay for 29 days, come home, then you can reverse and go do it all over again. And James is previewing a future episode of all of the fun HR challenges for remote companies. We will queue that up soon. Save that segment for sure. Great questions. Any other team members have questions while we've got them all willing to share all the good stuff, the real insights that we don't get to talk about all that often? I thought you were going to go with Legos, James. <laughs> Legos are a beautiful thing. We'll leave it at that. Morning is not that bad for me because my son does go to a pre-K, but how do you guys tackle bedtime? I work until 8 p.m. Eastern time and my son goes to bed at 7 and your kids are like all over the place as far as ages and it's so hard. I make it that I'm not available during that time. I know, Steph, this is kind of your time when you are working So we can absolutely also have a side discussion and see what we could do there to make sure that you are able to put your son to bed during his bedtime. So for me, you know, with Max, bedtime starts at seven and it's a bath. And then by 7.45, he's actually asleep. So his bedtime is very, very short, but we just make it a priority. And sometimes look, we slip. Sometimes, you know, it has to be, I'm on the phone in his bathroom and he's taking a bath and I'm taking a call. Something came up on the West Coast that needs to be addressed. And that's just reality of it. But definitely just, I think, talking to your supervisors and letting them know that there is a conflict that you have that you're struggling with that we can definitely address and solve for you. This is what not to do. I've sort of had my kids accommodate my schedule a little bit where they have like a little bit later of a bedtime, especially if there's, for the most part, my partner and I tag team. So we kind of split up our kids, push them into bed. But my youngest is one where she will not go to bed if someone's not laying by her. She's five. She should be able to go to bed on her own, but she doesn't. And I love that time with her. I love to have that time. So I think sometimes she goes to bed a little bit later, but like as long as I get that time with her, for me, that's more of a priority. Are the days where I do, I try and cut things off at a certain time and then I spend that time with her and then like hop on later. Sometimes I've just found that the things that I was going to come back to later aren't really as important as I thought they were. And that I've been like, you know what, this really can wait. And so it's been really important for me to learn a cutoff point and being like, how important is this that I get is done right now? And so it's still a learning process for me, for sure. Prioritizing and like, I want to be like the most dedicated employee or team member that I can be. But I oftentimes have to stop myself and like, at what cost? Putting my child to bed and having that time with her, I'm going to lose these times. They're going to grow. And so I think following these wonderful examples, really trying to create those healthy boundaries. Stephanie, thank you for the great question. And thank you all for sharing the inner workings of your families and literally how this plays out. I so wish I had had advice like this when my daughter was little and that remote working would have been perhaps a little more widely accepted. Although you point out it it doesn't come without its bumps and bruises too. There's a lot to figure out in the process. We'll see if there are any more questions pop up, but is there any other tips or tricks or advice that we haven't asked 
that you'd love to share with folks that are parents or thinking of becoming parents? Kendra, on the QA function, there actually was a question posed by Lisa. Said, you guys are awesome and thanks for sharing. What are some ways you're preventing burnout between Zoom calls, working the kiddies? Also being in a brick and mortar, you would normally have the drive time to decompress. So how do you decompress? So Lisa, on your first question, what are some ways you're preventing burnout between Zoom calls, working in the kiddies? I have found that with my calendar, I have to be very strict with it. And so I believe Olia mentioned the methodology called time boxing, where I time box different aspects to ensure that I can do those things. So I know I talked about how I've been working at being intentional with my lunch break. And so I make sure to time box that and have it all the way to infinity. So that way people know they can't schedule me during my lunch. So I found that's one of the ways to help me have that decompression. Two weeks ago, it was a Wednesday. I did not take my lunch break and I worked the whole day through. That was the hardest day for Courtney and I in the last three weeks. And so found that having that connection, even if it's really briefly, helps with that. And then how do I go about decompressing? This is a shout out to JT, Legos. Legos is how I decompress. It's my big hobby. There's just something about doing something with my hands besides typing and working with the mice. And then my kids love Legos too. So we'll just be building Legos together and having fun adventures. The other thing that I have found too is going on walks. Both my wife and I love walking. And so we'll go on walks after we put the kids in bed. We like to do our cell phone walkie-talkie where we'll call her cell phone, leave it next to the baby's room, and we'll just walk around the neighborhood getting some fresh air and really trying to connect on that. So those are, I guess, what I would offer to help with those questions. Yeah, walking for me, definitely. And just going to the playground with the little one, I try just to go in the playground and leave the phone behind, not have it around so that I'm really present because I have done it where I brought the phone where I needed to be and was never there, really just being constantly on the phone, not even looking at the child. So intentionally scheduling that time to decompress and leave technology behind. But walks are my favorite. Agreed. We actually have started doing paddleboarding and we have like a park nearby with a pond and there's a playground there. So a lot of times if I can get done at like the five, six o'clock hour, Again, my team is just wonderful. And when I let them know, like, I'm going to stop a little bit early today and go take the kids, like we'll go on bike rides. We really try and do some things that are outdoors. And that really helps me. The other thing that I've really tried to do, and with the nature of my job responsibilities, sometimes it isn't always possible, but I really try and keep the weekends sacred. On Friday, I'm done. Saturday, Sunday, I'll be there for my team. If I need to slack my team during that time, that's okay. If I need to hop on you know, our email platform for a minute, I can. I'm totally fine with that. But I mean, other than those moments, I'm not thinking about work. I really just try and cut it off. Like I'm only focused on my kids, on doing fun things with them, sleeping, reading, doing something that feels like I'm taking care of myself as well. But really, that's one thing that I really try to implement is the Friday night cutoff. Great question, Lisa. You brought out some good insights. I think we're close to getting the whole bag of tricks from you three on all that you have to offer advice. So anything else you can think of that we haven't talked about that you think would be important for folks to know? I actually have one. And I actually learned it from you. When you schedule your meetings, there's a time of day you could take your meetings, not on Zoom, that you could do a phone call and you go for a walk. Or this is an internal phone call with the team that you could just be on the phone or maybe, you know, have your laptop nearby if you need it. So I have been actually to schedule some calls where 
I went for a walk on the beach during the day, or I took little one to the playground. And if that call needed to be happening at that time, I am still there for him, but I'm also there for my team. So I think being intentional on your scheduling of the calls is that when is the time when you have to be present in front of the computer, plugged in behind a closed door versus where those time blocks where it could be a little bit of an informal conversation where screaming child or barking dog or screaming a teenager is not an issue. Shantae talked about this in her episode where she talked about the five components of Zoom fatigue. And I don't remember which one it was, but it was towards the new list, if you will. The first few are obvious, but that really knowing the expectations of a particular interaction. And like you said, you might just be listening to a presentation and taking a walk or being at the park with a kiddo is a just fine way to do that versus needing to be an active participant in the conversation. Absolutely. Learning and becoming familiar with the cadences of the meetings and just realizing, okay, this one isn't one where I need to be tied to the desk, you know, and really taking advantage of that, using that flexibility to step away and be on the phone than rather being tied down to the desk. I'm going to take that advice as well. I think I do that to an extent, but taking more advantage of that, especially since I have my young one here with me. I had two additional thoughts. One was, it was important to me that my kids knew who I was talking about when I said, Shannon, Preston, or MH, Kendra, Nick, and Kingsley. And that helps when they know I'm talking about certain individuals, they kind of have a brief relationship in that they've been able to see them on Zoom or maybe their LinkedIn account. And so they kind of have a buy-in, if you will, to what I'm doing at work. And then the second thought was auditing meetings. There are meetings that I have to be at, and then there's meetings that I don't have to be at, even if it's not designated as optional. And so definitely if there's times where I need to spend some more time with the kids or help Courtney out, it's okay to not go to a meeting. Great stuff. Thank you, Olia and James and Emily for being just so vulnerable and open and again, really sharing the inner workings of your families and how you work with your kiddos. I picked up some advice. I know perhaps other parents and even parents-to-be have as well. And Rachel and Stephanie and JT and Lisa, thank you for the great questions that brought out even more wisdom from this group. I think this is going to be a valuable hour for folks to really just tune into a real discussion. We can talk about what it might be like, but I think you guys dug into the reality of the situation and those moments where we have to make a decision and your advice on how other parents could think about how they make decisions in those situations. Thank you all so, so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, thank you. It was fun. 